Hello, welcome to Okawa Book Club. So we're your hosts, I'm Dylan. I'm John. And we're going to be discussing the teachings of Riho Okawa. Riho Okawa is a world teacher, master, and CEO of Happy Science Group. All right, so let's get into this book, The Real Exorcist by Riho Okawa. The subheading of this book is Attain Wisdom to Conquer Evil. And in this book, there is four chapters. The first chapter being The Modern Exorcist. The second chapter being Basic Measures to Overcome Spiritual Disturbance, From Basic Knowledge to Practical Application. The third chapter being The Real Exorcist, the same as the title of the book. Subheading being The Power to Ultimately Win Against the Devil. And the final chapter, Exorcists as Religious Professionals. Q&A session on The Real Exorcist. So you might be wondering, what kind of book is this? Is this a Christian book? But I'm going to read from the preface so that you can understand from the author himself what kind of exorcism he teaches. And I quote, I have taken real stories from my own spiritual battles to compile this textbook. Almost every day, I am approached and confronted by evil spirits, devils, and ikiryo, the combination of the strong thoughts of a living person and that of his or her guardian spirit. Essentially, the right approach is to teach the truth to each spirit and send each one back to heaven. You must discern the primary cause of the spirit's suffering or the reason why the spirit is maliciously attacking living people. Then, you must logically and rationally refute its argument and clearly indicate which direction it should go in in order to return to heaven. Unless the primary cause is eliminated, exorcism is impossible. To achieve this end, you need to discipline yourself every day, studying the truth, undergoing spiritual discipline, having faith, and practicing altruism are indispensable. If you believe yourself to be someone special and become conceited, or if you are constantly swayed by greed, anger, and delusion, you will not be able to find salvation. The habit of humbly and diligently making efforts will also save you in the spiritual sense. So we heard almost a full explanation of his method to protect against evil spirits on a very simple basis. And we're going to be going deeper into this book's contents as we discuss further. But first I want to ask John, I know you've read this book, so do you think you've ever been under the influence of evil spirits? And if so, how or when did that come about? Well, I've had many experiences with negative spirits, and I've certainly witnessed it in many people. I think oftentimes, you know, people, when they have an argument or when they suddenly feel anger or sadness or, you know, a variety of feelings that we generally would consider to be negative, or, you know, when arguments erupt and things of that nature, or sometimes even wars, depending on, you know, the nature of the possession. We just think of it in a secular way because in modern contemporary times, that's what's taught to us all. Despite the fact that, um, you know, there has been parapsychological evidence for things more than physical world. Yeah, so as you mentioned, it's as common as everyday relationship problems, but even more than that. So we find in this book that around 50% of people are under some kind of spiritual influence. And that might be a high number to you. But when you start reading this textbook of spiritual truth, you realize how they come in and why they come in. So things like these relationship conflicts 
or even cases that people would consider as mental disturbance or mental disease. Actually, these things can be as simple as being possessed by an evil spirit. As old-fashioned as that sounds, it's still happening in the modern day, just as it used to. Right. And most possessions are not as extreme as what you see in the movies. <laughs> you <true>. know, <laughs> the vast majority of the time, you know, your, your pictures aren't going to all go flying off the wall in your house and things of that nature. And it's much more subtle. Well, as is explained in the book, you know, the mind essentially acts as an antenna. So what the mind is attuned with is what it will attract from the spiritual world. So if your mind is focusing on negative emotions, then you're going to be more prone to attract spirits who will maintain those negative emotions. That will lead to possession. And the opposite is true also. There is a benevolent possession. So not all spirit possessions are malevolent. When an exorcism is necessary, it would be in the case of a malevolent spirit possession. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I want to go into that a little deeper, actually. The law that Riho Okawa often uses in this book to discuss possession is this law called the law of same wavelengths attraction. Well, I've heard about the law of attraction before, but what Riho Okawa talks about is something a little different. The law of same wavelengths attraction is basically, as you said, where our mind is always emitting a vibration. And whatever our vibration is emitting, we attune to similar types of spirits or entities of that wavelength. And so those types of beings might come to us. And that's what is called a possession. So it's not something like, you know, Hollywood fantasy where someone's spitting nails out of their mouth, right? It's a little bit more common. And actually, it's a lot more common because it's a 24-hour phenomenon where we are emitting these wavelengths. And we can attune to anywhere we want by having the freedom of choice in our thought to pick what kind of spirits or entities or anything we want to attract to us. You mentioned psychology. If we go into that field and we often hear about, you know, people, even homeless people who are, you know, always hearing voices or they might be seeing things or being able to sense something that, you know, we don't see. It happens to people that are put in mental institutions, but that's not necessarily bad, right? It's something that can happen to any of us. And it, if we're not careful, it can lead us down the wrong path. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. I would say so. I mean, I think... Um... Many people, when they're young children, they see spirits, they hear voices, and it's considered normal to, up to a certain age, I suppose, <laughs> in mm. secular society. But yes, some people have more of a sensitivity to it than others do. So, you know, modern psychiatric and psychological sciences, essentially, they would consider hearing voices, things of that nature, to just be a delusion, perhaps a form of escapism due to some repressed trauma or something of that nature. Um, but from a religious perspective, we wouldn't see it that way. We would see, see the presence of, you know, a spiritual influence. And religions throughout history have seen the human nature in this way. And religions, you know, various religions throughout history have also made use of exorcisms. Um, you know, there was exorcisms being performed in ancient Sumer, in ancient Egypt, certainly, you know, throughout the very Buddhist traditions, even though it's something we tend to associate with uh, the Catholic tradition specifically, mainly because of the movies, I think. Yeah, you know, they haven't made a lot of Hollywood movies about Buddhist, Shinto, or Egyptian exorcisms, right? But, you know, going into this topic a little deeper, we have various life questions that come to us through, through reading this, even though it's a textbook. We're presented with these very distinct philosophical questions like, the meaning of suicide and the meaning of death. 
And we hear about things like ghosts and stray spirits that remain on this world even after the physical death of human beings. As I was actually reading through chapter 3 where Riho Okawa talks about lost spirits as well as uh, spiritual possession in real situations, I came to this kind of philosophical question of what is death? And does death mean when the heart stops beating? Because is there life after death? Is there a world that we can go to after death and can we also remain on this planet even not going to heaven or hell but being stuck he answers these questions very clearly and gives the reasons as well as the salvation method for such kind of beings what did you think when you read this subject or this chapter oh i well i thought it was explained in an excellent way I think our, our basic principle is that, you know, if, if a person does not believe in an afterlife and then when they die, they realize that there is one, they're often going to be in denial mm. and they're going to have difficulty letting go of this world because they weren't prepared for the idea that there's something beyond this world. And at that point, essentially, it's their soul who have a lack of faith in something beyond this world. Once they're in that sort of intermediary state, they'll be attached to, let's say, loved ones or places. It's very, it's a very common idea that there's haunted houses and so on and so forth, you know, all over the world. Um, you know, those types of phenomena are due to this idea that these people have not been able to move on. That's why the idea of the exorcist, you know, which this book teaches you quite a lot about how to practice exorcism, are, you know, the ultimate goal is to guide the lost spirits to heaven or to wherever they're meant to go. I mean, but, you know, because when they linger around here for too long, they inevitably, they'll have some type of influence on the people around them, whether it's their loved ones or whether it's, you know, if they're stuck in a certain house, eventually they'll forget even who they were. They'll just sort of be a wandering spirit. So different people move into a house. And then when they become increasingly frustrated, that's when they will cause uh, dissent. Tensions will rise. And most people will really not have any idea why that is happening. And they'll attribute it to things completely unrelated. Hmm. Yeah, so this movie, The Real Exorcist, I was given a behind-the-scenes sneak preview of this movie, and I felt that it is something that will be able to warm your heart and soul and something you can share with your family members because it's not anything like the Hollywood films that we previously mentioned. It's something that instead will give you the kind of answers to these modern-day problems like suicide, it's so sad. But once we know, you know, the spiritual background and we're able to share it through a nice movie in this fashion, it takes these taboo subjects and makes it something that we can discuss from a spiritual perspective and able to solve our problems. And also in the field of drug abuse and alcohol use, these things can be, you know, become very nonchalant and casual in our modern society. But we have to understand, you know, the mental health side of things, not just the physical health. I know you are involved in the mental health field. That's right. Yeah. So from your perspective, I'm sure you've seen many people, you know, in these in these dire situations. So how do you think this movie would be able to help them? For me, one of the best points in this movie was that the main character who is the main exorcist of the movie is just a normal person. You know, it's not a priest who, you know, in Catholicism, you'd have to get permission from the Vatican. It could take months before anything even happens. You know, this is just a normal person. She works in a cafe. 
And gradually throughout the story, as the movie commences, the cases of exorcism become increasingly complex and difficult until uh, toward the end, she has to battle with what would be called a, a devil, which is a very powerful malevolent spirit. And you see the power of that spirit gradually taking possession over another character throughout the movie and causing feelings like jealousy and greed and, you know, essentially attuning that person's mind to lower vibrations. I think that as concerns mental health, if people see this movie and they are open to the spiritual reality of things, then I think that it can give them a sense of hope that they're not powerless in this and that there's something they could do. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the El Cantare fight ritual of exorcism, I mean, you, you see that in the movie and I think it does a great job of depicting how powerful it is, you know, and that's something that's just shared with the world now that, you know, any, any person could do that. You know, also, you know, you have to think of how in modern psychology, we consider most things to be essentially neurological. And, you know, the brain is essentially and the, the entire body can be understood as a type of like medium or vessel through which uh, subtler influences take action or, you know, you know, are mediated through. So the, the answer is, you know, and there may be certain issues uh, that people have that aren't necessarily possession, but a lot of the time, 50% of the time, you know, on average, it is the case that there is some type of spiritual influence. People are experiencing maladaptive tendencies or, you know, an internal suffering, uh, depression, anxiety, you know, and, and a lot of the time people will spend a long period of time trying to find the solution to it and trying to find the reasons for it. When in reality, it's something that could be conquered relatively quickly if they're able to take on a spiritual perspective. Wow, that's, you know, that's really amazing to hear that because it really goes back to the title of the book, The Real Exorcist. And what is The Real Exorcist? It's who you can be. As you said, even a coffee girl, right, in Tokyo, right. she can be a real exorcist and you can be too because this book is like a, a guidebook and the movie is showing you with physical demonstrations, you know, how to solve these problems. So it's something that all of us can learn how to do and eventually master through our experience. And once we do so, we're able to help other people stay away from these things like suicide, depression, drug abuse, and things like that. And it becomes like a modern day force of purification for the world and for society, which I think we all agree that we, we need right now more than ever, you know, the way things are going. The book kind of equates these modern issues into the religious perspective of truth. And then the movie shows us in an entertaining and explanatory way how we can live these, you know, proper lives. So I, I highly recommend both of them. For more information about the book, it's available at all major bookstores, including Barnes & Noble, and also on Amazon.com. And for more information about this book in specific, you can go to okawabooks.com. That's O-K-A-W-A-B-O-O-K-S.com. And the movie will come out on September 1st on Video On Demand. If you want to know more about the movie or you'd like to pre-order or find it on the website, it is at realexorcistmovie.com. R-E-A-L-E-X-O-R-C-I-S-T-M-O-V-I-E.com. There you'll find the trailer as well as a summary of the actors and actresses and the author's intention of the movie. So please check it out. It was great talking to you again, John. Likewise, Dylan. In these trying times, stay happy, healthy, and positive.